Welcome to Pharmacy View, technology and pharmacy business podcast series, where we provide regular interviews with pharmacists and key industry people within the Australian pharmacy and associated industry. In each podcast, we look to discuss aspects of pharmacy operation and how technology is improving or interacting with each guest's current role or pharmacy-related business. I'm your host, Scott Carpenter, and today's guest is sponsored by Shopfront Solutions, leading the way in digital marketing and communications, providing a cloud-based platform for pharmacies to manage all of their digital messaging and print-based collateral. For more information on the Shopfront Solutions digital platform, simply go to the website at shopfrontsolutions.com.au. We're talking again today with Sarah Stoddart from Vitality Law. We spoke to Sarah a few episodes ago, and one of the lines that we left open was the area of technology in HR law. And we'll talk about that in a minute, Sarah, but again, welcome this morning. Thanks very much for having me. It's great to be back. Always a pleasure, and I'm hoping we can do this on a, on a regular basis. So I guess, as we said, we left this kind of open, but prior to discussing that, for anyone that didn't listen to the, the other episode, who is Sarah Stoddard and who is Vitality Law? Well, as you said, my name is Sarah Stoddard, so it's great to be here. I'm a lawyer working predominantly in the healthcare industry. So as a broad umbrella, I practice in commercial law as well as employment law. But my focus is really on the healthcare industry and healthcare businesses, both for individuals and small business owners. The firm Vitality Law Australia has obviously at its core healthcare businesses. And the work that we are focusing on is business transactions, regulatory approvals, leasing and employment law. And that is across Australia. So that's not limited to Queensland, which is where I sit. I can help pharmacists with their work across Australia. That's, that's excellent. And, uh, and certainly we'll include a link to both your LinkedIn page and your website as part of the show notes for this. So uh, if anyone would you know, like a bit more information, they can contact you there. So right. as we said, there's a bit of an area that came up in the last discussion we had around technology and HR law and some things that I guess business owners or managers and team members should be aware of. And uh, I liked one of the comments on your webpage, which said, you know, employees are an important part of a business. A business owner will aim to have a positive working relationship with all employees, but as we know, that's not always the case. So in terms of this, I won't say well, it could be an alliance or a, or a conflict between technology and HR law. What are some of the things that you've come across or that business owners probably need to be aware of in this area? Sure. So, I mean, this is a bit of a minefield and social media and technology uh, generally, I think, move faster than the law. So there is a bit of a moving feast here, but the main thing, as I've just mentioned, is probably social media. So there's a few elements to this that I think your listeners would really benefit from understanding. So the first of all is from the business owner's perspective and having their business on social media. So keeping in mind the use of staff and customer images in their social media posts and making sure that the poster or the business owner has consent to the use of those images. There's massive issues around privacy there and, of course, just use of people's images generally, particularly your customers' staff. There may be something in their employment contracts about the use of their images that customers may not necessarily always consent. And if they're in the background of an image or even in the front of the image, there could be real issues if that's then posted without their consent. So that's the use of images on social media. The other thing that I think is important to note here is that if a pharmacist is part of a banner brand or franchise group, 
they should consider whether or not they're actually permitted to have a social media account in the name of the pharmacy that includes Banner brand. The business owner doesn't own that name. The franchisor owns that name. So you really need to look carefully at the franchise agreement to see if you can, in fact, use the name, whether or not you need consent and whether or not your franchisor actually permits you to have social media accounts at all. I think everyone's really keen to get onto social media in business and to reach out to their customers that way. But you need to take a couple of steps back and make sure that you can actually be there. If I can, just two really important points, and some I guess I'd have been aware of, but the franchise one is interesting. But if we, can we just jump back to the, the team member images? Sure. I just want to kind of re- reinforce or just understand that point. So if a team member has had their photograph taken and logically it would be aware that it's going to be used in team meeting, is that automatic consent or got to push the bounds a bit further and actually get some kind of confirmation of that? No, you do need to push it a bit further. Now, Obviously, not all staff members are going to take issue with the fact that their image is being taken, particularly if they're standing there smiling at the photograph, but they need to actually have given expressed consent. Now, that might be by way of a talent release form that they sign, which relates to a particular promotion, or perhaps the easier option for business owners and arguably a safer option is to put something in the employment contract which actually states that the staff member as a member of the team may be photographed during their employment and that used for social media purposes. And by signing the employment agreement, they consent to that. If you have it in your standard employment agreement, that way you can be sure that every time someone comes on board and joins your team, they are actually giving their consent rather than having to run around getting talent release forms once you know you've decided to do a bit of a promo yeah no and again that's a really good or important point because through two of the businesses that i do work with i manage instagram pages and certainly in my instance if i've asked someone photograph it or or to be in a photograph it's done by email and they've responded to the email and i've kept copies of those emails Mm. on file now i know again in an extreme circumstances that not may not necessarily be seen as consent but i'm still using it as i guess a documented okay those through those instagram pages i actually follow quite a few pharmacy brands and groups and individual pharmacy instagram pages and i guess one of the things that i like about that is seeing what a pharmacy team's doing in their local community with their social media so again we don't necessarily want to create this into a too big a minefield but as you said if your employment contract has that clause included then you're, you're mostly covered if it's not that's there right and you start doing it and whilst your relationship between business owner and employee is good it's possibly not a problem but on the rare occasion that the employment relationship doesn't work out, you effectively could be open to challenges and maybe more is, is ultimately what you're saying, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And I think there's also a big safety component to this. A lot of people, I shouldn't say a lot of people, some people have you know concerns about their images being used because of personal reasons. So for example, the one I see most commonly is to do with marital breakdowns and that sort of thing where yes. they might not want other people to know where they are suddenly if their image pops up on social media linked to a business it makes it very clear where that person might be so it's not always that the consent is required because the person doesn't want to be on social media they might be quite happy to do it but there's issues around other things that might be going on in their lives and that's why it's really important to make it clear that you know the photos you're taking might be published to the broader public 
And that goes not only for, you know, your, your set-up photos but also photos at functions, so your work Christmas party, that sort of thing. If you're then putting them up on social media saying, you know, we had a great time at our Christmas party on the weekend, you just have to be really careful about that and where those might end up. Yeah, no, I, again, it's a, it's a really good point and I would hope that this message kind of just gets expanded. Again, there's a lot going on in pharmacy at the moment, particularly around the COVAX program and, and so I yeah. know people's heads are really stretched. But again, whether you're listening to this today or whether you, someone listens to it in the future, I think it's a really good point to consider because you're right, I, I'm forever seeing photographs of team members that are at award events, that might be at conferences, that might be at you know local business events and things like that, in addition to, to activity within the pharmacy. So again, it's don't necessarily assume that the team member's happy to have the photograph published, even though they've, they've kind of stepped in. You know, some, sometimes it's too hard to say no and just go with the flow, but you may not necessarily be happy with it. So, so the question could be asked, are you happy to be in this photograph to go on our social media pages even? Yeah, that's right. And sticking with social media but focusing now on the employee rather than the employer post, I think, yeah. is the link to the workplace. Given the introduction of technology and, and social media predominantly, there's a very clear link now to a workplace. So you only have to go onto Facebook to find out, you know, who people are in a relationship with or yep. where yep. they might work and focusing on, of course, today where they're going to work. Employees have to be really careful because they've got on their page where they work, so automatically there's a link to their workplace. If they are going to engage in conduct outside of the workplace that might not be representative of their employer's business or is conduct that the employer wouldn't permit, that can actually have an impact on their employment. So if there's something going around showing them having probably too much of a good time somewhere, that can impact on their employment. And, I mean, I've been involved in a number of cases where this has occurred and the employee tends to say, well, that was done in my own time, not during work time. It doesn't matter because the link to the employer via either an express statement on their social media pages as to where they work or if it can be implied through what they've posted or, um, you know, they might put something up in their uniform going to work one day that's enough of a sufficient link to get them in strife if they've done the wrong thing, which potentially damages the reputation of their employer. Yeah, understand. So, so again, something to be kind of clear on as part of an employee's induction program and potentially even some kind of an annual reminder of the standards. Yeah, definitely. And I think in your workplace training, just making it clear, look, the workplace extends beyond the four walls of the pharmacy and does if, if you're going to be putting things on social media that you know would not properly reflect on the employer or damage the employer's reputation, you really need to have no links to your employer, which means you know no express statement of where you work, no photos of your uniform, and even implied because if there are cases where saying you know you had a really rough day today, your manager didn't approve your annual leave. If you've got people on your Facebook page that might be colleagues of yours, yes. um, even that is sufficient to link them to the workplace. Yeah, and effectively could be classified as some form of harassment one way or the other. Yeah, or just making statements about your employer. Yeah. You know, even, you know, if you said you had a really cranky customer, things like that, uh, it, it can really have an impact. So best to avoid talking about work altogether or better still make sure your social media profiles are absolutely private. Yeah, and I think we raised this once before and 
someone gave me a great tip and that is to for my personal social media pages i don't use my business name or my my full name i use a pseudonym so uh, again people who know me wouldn't be hard to find me but but it's you know i keep my business social media uh, pages and posts as scott carpenter and i keep my personal ones under a different name so uh, yeah i'm sure at the end of the day someone could kind of track me down one way or the other because you get linked from friends and colleagues as well so uh, that's right yeah, you just need to be careful from that perspective. So that's kind mm. of really interesting. I guess, and again, I've um, been running my own business now for a few years, but I, I certainly remember from my employment days, there was always a employment contract, but towards the final years, a code of conduct got introduced. Are they still separate mm. documents or would they be one and the same these days? That's a really good question you asked there, Scott. So <laughs> a lot of employers have codes of conduct, policies and procedures, those sort of documents in place. I would really encourage employers to go back to their employee employment agreement template document or precedent document and have a look because there's usually a statement in there which says whether or not the employer's policies and procedures, which would include a code of conduct, actually become terms of the employment agreement. Yes. Surprisingly, so many of these template and precedent documents say that the policies and procedures do not form part of the employment agreement, which puts the employer in a really sticky situation if they're trying to perhaps terminate or discipline the employee because of something that's you know, included in the policies and procedures because arguably that doesn't become a term of employment. Yeah. Now, the reason that is the case, that so many of them say they do not form part, is because sometimes the policies and procedures go beyond what's required by law. So they hold the staff and the employer to perhaps a higher standard than what the law might require. So by making it a term of the employment agreement, sometimes it's committing the employer to more than they would have to do by law. So on that, I'd encourage pharmacy owners to have a look at their suite of policies and procedures, decide how important they are to the employment relationship, and if they are really important, consider making those policies and procedures a term of the employment agreement, but then reviewing them and seeing, well, does this actually commit us to more than required by law? And if so, are we happy for that? Some employers and pharmacy owners will, of course, be happy to abide by a standard that's beyond the law. And others might think, well, we might need to, you know, tame this down a little bit so we're not saying we'll promise the world when we don't have to. Yeah, so, and again, I guess the, the summation of that conversation is that your social media policy might form part of your employment contract. It might form part of policies and procedures. It might form part of a code of conduct. In terms of that, it needs to kind of all link. If it's not one document, at least the documents need to link and so that everyone's kind of clear where, where people stand in terms of this. As you said right at the beginning, social media is you know, potentially moving, or sorry, not potentially, is moving faster than the law can kind of keep up with it. Mm. But it's not until something goes wrong in one way, shape or form that I guess it gets challenged or tested. That's right. And, I mean, if we step back from social media and, and sticking with the policies discussion, let's talk about old school technology, phones and internet. Yes. What is your internet usage policy? If your staff member's checking Facebook, you know, in the dispensary when they're quiet or out the back during their lunch break, is that permitted? Uh, what's going to come up on the screen that might offend or upset another employee who's in the area? What if a customer can see the screen? What's the ramifications of that? So your internet usage policy is important, as is your phone usage policy, particularly if your staff do have access to a 
mobile phone for usage for work reasons. So I know from my very uh, young days of working in pharmacy, you know, our stock controller had a phone or if we had to leave the store to run down to our storage cage, which was in another part of the shopping centre, we took a mobile phone with it. Now, what might your employees be doing on that phone um, and is that permitted under the policies and procedures? Procedures. And again, I guess it all links back to just this wonderful age of technology. I guess it depends on your age as to how old old school is too. So. Yes. Yeah. And I, and so maybe I, maybe best to have your Nokia thirty three ten that's going to place, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. So I guess that leads nicely then into um, confidentiality in terms of uh, technology platforms that are in pharmacies today. And the couple that I've listed here is obviously you've got your dispense platform, you've got your point of sale platform, you've got your, your loyalty platform, and and all of those hold some form of customer data, which you know, includes some form of privacy and confidentiality, and one of the things I you know, really enjoy about the pharmacy industry is that confidentiality is paramount. And when it comes down to patient and client confidentiality, the industry is pretty good at it. You, you won't have a pharmacy assistant or a dispensary technician or a pharmacist talk about that in an open sense. Now, outside of that, um, I certainly uh, also kind of enjoy from the pharmacy industry that at a corporate or a group level, uh, you can be as confidentiality, uh, confidential as you like with business transactions, but it usually leaks out. But but certainly yeah. at, a, at a client level or a, or a customer level, it's pretty good. But how, how does that work then? Or, or what are some of the areas that pharmacists, business owners should should be looking at? Because we can't just take the fact the industry is good with client confidentiality as a given. No, you really can't. And confidentiality and privacy are big areas. They cover a lot. Almost every employment agreement that I've ever seen does have a confidentiality clause in it. So whatever the employee learns about the business or the customers has to remain confidential. And I think you're quite right in saying, generally speaking, there's pretty good compliance levels around that. Pharmacists and their staff tend to be really good with keeping data confidential. But there are times where this might get leaked and Quite often, it's completely inadvertent. So, for example, data breaches, um, and irrespective, I should say, irrespective of what your turnover of your pharmacy is, given you are a health service, you are caught by the privacy law. Um, So data breaches is a big area, and issues are arising with perhaps um, loyalty data. If I could look at that, a customer might come in and ask how many points they've got uh, to the cash and wrap staff member. That staff member flicks up the loyalty club information and tells that staff member, sorry, that customer how many points they've got. Staff member then gets distracted and walks away from the counter to help someone else. That loyalty data might still be on the screen. So completely innocent, um, but next customer that walks up to the cash and wrap counter then sees what Mrs Jones' details are, you know, address, phone number. And again, can be completely innocent, but you never know then what that what someone might do with that data, particularly in this age of identity fraud and that kind of stuff going on. Also, potentially, there's something on the screen, particularly down the back shop, you know, and dispensing computers about what what medication someone might be on. That's 
like obviously very confidential as well. So there's those sort of inadvertent things. And in terms of your business transactions, absolutely that always seems to get out. And I think that's because whilst you can be really tight-lipped when it's between the parties in that negotiation phase, once you have to start involving your landlord as a third party, telling your reps that, you know, you need to hold off placing your orders for the next quarter because, you know, you're not going to be the owner anymore, telling your staff that you've sold. It's that inclusion of third parties in the transaction process, which is inevitable, that leads to um, people starting to speak about what's going on. In commercial business contracts or, you know, commercial real estate contracts and the business transaction contracts, there are confidentiality provisions. So if you are in a transaction process, you cannot disclose the information regarding the contract to any party without consent. Now, this is generally quite well complied with, but where I do see this happening, as a, and it is a problem, is the buyer or the seller getting a little bit too excited that they have sold or are buying the business and yes. popping something on social media saying, you know, guess what, you know, on 1 April we're selling the business, come and say your goodbyes. Or on the other side, we're buying a new pharmacy and we're really excited to be taking it over, come and visit us from this date. You can't actually do that. Um, It potentially puts you in breach of contract, and it can be quite damaging for for the parties involved. So, yes, confidentiality and privacy are a massive area and something that you really need to think twice about before doing anything really and making sure you've got procedures so going back to that cash and wrap example having procedures perhaps where your computers you know automatically lock out after you know an inactive period or you know really training your staff on making sure things are closed down or these screens aren't you know seen by your customers to prevent those breaches occurring yeah and i think uh, if if i recall back to our last episode on this same vein one of the things you spoke about was buyers and sellers beware that the social media pages of a business may not necessarily form part of the business transaction or also be aware that, and, and I know this is in my case, I, I run two Instagram pages for two businesses that I do con- uh, consult work for, but effectively they're set up as sub pages to my primary page. So if ever yeah. anything happened to me and, and they wanted or had to kind of take over these pages, it's actually going to be very difficult for them to do that without my personal login. Effectively. Yes, Yeah. I should say uh, something I learned this week is two-factor authentication on Instagram. So I didn't actually know it had that feature. A colleague of mine got hacked and that, that was a law firm business, but pharmacy owners might want to look into that as well because if third party gets hold of your Instagram account, it can be really damaging both yeah. reputationally and from a privacy reality yeah. perspective. And look, the authentication process is becoming quite common now, particularly around accounting and government transactions. So it's not like it's necessarily onerous. It's potentially the same authentication program you can use now or you can refer to anyway. So Exactly. Yeah, that's cool. Sarah, that's been really good to kind of re-chat about that. And we're coming, I guess, to the end of our time. Was there anything else happening in your world that's of, worthy of an update or, or some more information? Probably one area that's probably a broader discussion than today, but I will mention it in the context of, you know, advertising and social media, and that is the requirements actually around advertising a health service. So a pharmacy is a regulated health service, and there are laws around what you can advertise. So again, don't get too excited if you get a really good testimonial from a customer saying, you know, the medication that you prescribe solves their back issues or, you know, the, the vitamin works great for their headaches or something like that. 
Yes. Exercise calls shouldn't be all advertising that because there are really strict requirements about what you can advertise for a regulated health service. So I won't say any more than that, but certainly more than happy to chat about that to you, Scott, or your listeners at another time. Yeah. What actually can a pharmacy advertise? Yeah, no, that's actually a really good point because it's it's always great to get feedback through, again, technology and social media platforms that, that you might just think this is great, I'll, I'll let the rest of our customers know. But yeah, that's certainly worthy, I guess, of another episode in uh, in a month or three's time. That would be great. Excellent. So, Sarah, thanks very much for again for the chat today. It's always great to chat with you because you bring a, just some different perspectives on things that we may not be aware of. I've really enjoyed it and I hope you have as well and I hope our listeners do too. I definitely have. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate being here and your time. No problems at all. Chat again soon. Thank you for listening today. Pharmacy View is a technology-focused podcast provided by Melbourne-based business Arian Technologies and Shopfront Solutions. Over the podcast series, our guests include pharmacists, retail managers, wholesalers, suppliers, and industry technology partners. If you would like further information on our podcast series or to participate in one of our episodes, feel free to send me a message or touch base through the Pharmacy View website, pharmacyview.com.au.